Before we dive into today's episode, we want to say thanks once again to our two amazing Rainbow Parent level patrons, Jennifer and Toby. Incredible round of applause for you. If you're interested in finding out more about how to become a Rainbow Parent level patron or any level patron, to be honest, then the link will be in the description. You can find all of the fun, exciting perks there. Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema, one glorious genre at a time. I'm Rowan Ellis, and welcome to one of our guest specials. Today, we're joined by a very special guest who will be answering the question, what movies made you queer? I'm very excited to welcome Joel Rochester, aka Fictional Fates. Hi, everyone. So, Joel, for people who are listening who might not know who you are, could you tell us a little bit about uh, what you do? Yeah, I can. Hello, everyone. My name is Joel, otherwise known as Fictional Fates on most other platforms. Uh, I basically create a lot of like bookish content online. So like reviewing books, discussing books, talking about books, crying about books a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But I also delve into like other little bits like productivity, video gaming every now and again. And yeah, it's just been pretty fun. I'm in a bit of a transformational era at the minute because I've just moved and there are boxes of bookshelves behind me that I still need to build. <laughs> um, but I'm very excited to like continue creating more and more content in the future. Just uh, d- uh, the bookie, a bookie, a bookie, little bookworm. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Like I, so I know Joel because we work together on some uh, like YouTube stuff at Penguin, yes. the publisher, not the biscuit company. If you're <laughs> from the UK, so I'm always a big admirer of the fact that they, you know, read <laughs> books. As someone who simply, uh, you know, doesn't, uh, apart from the ones that she has to read for work so anyone who has a good reads in which they manage to read more than like a book a month i'm like wow an intellectual an incredible <laughs> person Me? with a an dedication <laughs> i simply buy them and then forget to read them ah yes that is that is also a mood so i kind of used queer as a bit of an umbrella term a catch-all in that section but uh how do you identify what words would you put in that title oh i would identify as a non-binary bisexual Amazing. So you are in fact answering the question, what movies made you a non-binary bisexual? (laughs) This kind of episode, we've done a few of them in the past and it's really a a mix. It's whatever the guest brings, right? Mm -hmm. So we've had some people answer it in a very serious way, talk about the importance of representation and what it really meant to them. And some people are just like, I wanted to fuck the fox from the Disney's (laughs) animated Robin Hood um, and everything in between. So I'm going into this completely with no knowledge joel has not uh, informed me of any of these choices so <laughs> feel free to give them to me in any order that you like from least to most chaotic from you know youngest age that you encounter them to oldest mm-hmm. I-, I will leave it up to you take it away oh amazing okay so i think like the very first thing that came to mind was the barbie films because incredible <laughs> i could go into like a whole like analysis on like Barbie movies and like queerness but uh my younger sister used to like own and watch all of the Barbie films and so sometimes I'd be like oh I'll just watch them with you see like what they're about and I don't know there was just something about the way that Barbie was just able to like be fully herself be like anything and everything she wanted to be and like you know have amazing outfits and like transform into like different like magical scenarios I was like wow I kind of want to be something like that and I think there was just something so magical about like the concept of Barbie in and of herself that I was like I I relate 
and I don't know why yet, but I relate. I have a confession, Joel. Oh. I have not seen any of the Barbie movies. Oh, oh, oh Rowan. <laughs> what? What? So is it, it, so Barbie is the toy. Yeah. She's kind of uh, famous for being a job hopper. Like she really loves to do every <laughs> job under the sun. She's like, maybe I'll be a model. Maybe I'll be an astronaut. Maybe I'll be a doctor. Who knows? So is that the, the vibe of the movies? Like every movie, she's a different Basically, version of herself. Like I, I'm of the opinion that Barbie has like a form of ADHD in some way, because like okay. you can't really hop to different hobbies without having like that. It's a very ADHD thing. Yeah. Like by the time the, like I truly don't know what people did before everything was at your fingertips you could order it online Literally. and it'll be delivered the next day because like if i if i ordered something and i had to wait like five weeks for it to come i would have moved on from that potential hobby <laughs> exactly. already and maybe that would have been a good thing like that i hadn't just <laughs> bought maybe that would have stopped me buying like gouache paints at 2am because i saw a tiktok and then i'm like have i used them more than three times probably not oh gosh I do relate to that because there are definitely a lot of <laughs> hobbies where I've been like, oh yeah, I'll do this. And then it arrives and I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but you are right. Like each Barbie film has like a different scenario. So in like, there's like a series called uh, Barbie Fairytopia where she's basically like a fairy. She gets to be a mermaid in the second film. It's pretty, Ooh, and then she gets these like rainbow wings in Magic of the Rainbow. And that is That's probably pretty gay. like the, yeah, the queerest film, I think, because there were just all these different like fairies that were like, okay, we'll give you our magic. And she's like, pride. So I think that was pretty awesome. But then there's ones where she like runs a fashion show in Paris. There's ones where she's like a princess and a pauper. Like there was like this whole like section where they would basically just like retelling fairy tales and the Barbie way and there were just definitely some of those films where I was like there's definitely some underlying queerness in this and I don't know like how but I think my brain like when I was younger was figuring it out so I know there's definitely a Barbie nutcracker yes and the reason that I know that is because I was around a, a friend's house who was a little bit high and they essentially uh told me to to go away to like I had to leave the room because I looked like the rat king from Barbie Nutcracker no. to them they were like I was I was just dancing around and they were like no no I can't do this you need to go you look like the rat king I have not had the heart to look up what that character looks like because I know that I'm gonna be I know that might be the end of our friendship to be honest oh gosh, oh gosh. maybe potentially I thought you were gonna go down like the aisle of like the Nutcracker himself and how like a lot, it's kind of like the Beauty and the Beast effect where a lot of people oh. preferred the beast to the actual like look. They preferred the object, the nutcracker, as yeah. opposed to the Cause, interesting. Because what he looked like after he kind of came, like turned back into a regular human was just not great. I preferred him as a nutcracker. Incredible. Wait, hang on. I, I feel like you can't say that and I can't not actually Google that um, <laughs> to give my live reaction to the both versions of the nutcracker literally okay so in when he's a nutcracker he's got an incredible like dark black mustache mm -hmm. big baby blue eyes he's got a very chiseled um it's not really a chin it's his goatee his goatee yeah. is very chiseled okay if i now look up barbie nutcracker like transformed. human transformed i don't really know how to the the mouse king just came up on my uh, when i was like looking it up as well and i'm oh. like oh no <laughs> Oh, okay. I've just seen the Nutcracker Man transformed. 
Um, and and when you click on the picture, it takes you to the origin, which is a tweet that just says the king in Barbie and the Nutcracker was hotter in his nutcracking form. Yes. And I've been mad about it for 21 years. People so agree. I feel like, was this also a case of the like, what I believe that we're kind of now referring to within the community as the parts of the Caribbean effect oh. um, or, the, or the mummy effect where mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I really also quite fancy both Barbie and the Nutcracker. Or I were you not quite at that stage when you were watching these? Oh. Now thinking about it, I definitely think there was kind of like a both kind of scenario where I was fancying both Barbie and the Nutcracker, because I definitely feel like I was like, I like both of you, but I don't know which one I prefer at this point. And I was like, mm. I was just like, it was kind of that experience of just kind of being like, wow, like this is someone who's really smart and intelligent and can be whoever she wants to be. And this is a- This guy can crack nuts. This like guy can crack nuts. And, you know, I think there's a use for that somewhere. So <laughs> I was just like, damn. And then he transformed back and I was like, well, the decision was made for me, Barbie. Yeah. So I like how in that moment in your youth, you were like, oh, I guess I'm straight after all. And it was like, oh, wait, hang on. Let, <laughs> let's go back into denial for like a few oh more years. Oh my God. Oh my god, incredible. And then I guess the I imagine there would be a level of campness to the Barbie movies as well. Oh, that yeah. feels like a an energy as well. Like there was definitely like campness, like with like the outfits and kind of like the scenarios that would occur. There's definitely like a few bits where it just it's very much like a film kind of franchise that I feel like benefited a lot from delving into the campness a bit and just like not taking itself too seriously, but then being able to kind of explore like different themes and stuff. Mm. So how old were you when this was like part of your life? Was this like a Ooh. childhood thing or? Yeah, definitely. I think I, when I like first started watching them, it was when my sister was like five or six. So I was probably like nine or 10. Oh, okay. So this is like a youthful, youthful exploration. Yeah, it was like, this. like, what is this? What is What's this happening here? What's going on here? Oh my gosh, amazing. And I just look up like compilation clips on YouTube and be like, oh, like, let's keep watching. See, see what other like films there are out there. Have you delved back into like, have you rewatched them like now that you're older? I haven't watched like any like in like recently, but I know during lockdown, I watched, I rewatched Princess and the Pauper because everyone was doing that like TikTok where it's like, I'm just like you, you're just like oh, me. Oh, that's where that's from. Okay. Good to know. And so I was like, I'll rewatch that one, but I definitely want to rewatch Fairytopia at some point because I know the animation style is going to like, from what we've seen like in this year with like animation, seeing animation back then, I'm going to be like, wow, like I was enjoying this back then. So, uh, I mean, amazing. I feel like that's in the, I wish I had some kind of um, image. I need to work on the, the imagery based <laughs> formatting of this particular kind of episode. Like that's going into room 101. That's going into the vault. I'm like, that's Ooh. going into the rainbow tote bag of your, <laughs> of my experience. Of your identity. Boop, there it goes. Just like get it from Tiger and just be like, okay. Yeah. This is Truly, I don't know whether anyone who's listening, anyone from the UK will definitely know this. And I guess because Tiger's obviously in Europe, they might have the same thing. But there mm -hmm. is a rainbow tote bag in Tiger that is entirely like bought by gay teenagers yeah. it's fantastic it's how you identify each other it's like is it there is. a rainbow tote bag if not it's a new flagging hmm. yeah 100 <laughs> amazing so the barbie the barbie the, the barbie. barbie and the barbie movies are the pick number one shall yes. we move on to pick number two? Oh yeah we can do oh this one i feel like a lot of bisexual people will relate to so this is from a disney film 
And okay. I first watched this Disney film when I was younger. It was part of like the Disney princess kind of, I guess kind of it's part of the Disney princess. I feel like I know where this is going, mm-hmm. but continue. And it's probably my favorite Disney princess film out of all of them because I was just like, wow, like I am in love with like not only kind of the story, but also the queer undertones that took place within this and how basically the male lead is essentially bisexual because... It's, it's a headcanon that's been widely accepted at this point. So when I first watched Mulan at, I, I don't even know what age I was when I first watched Mulan, but I definitely watched it multiple times during my childhood. I think I just was attracted to both Mulan and Li Shang that I was just like, there is something here. I think this was the bit where I was like, okay, there, there, this is something that I need to start thinking about why. I am attracted mm-hmm. to both of these people. And like, not only was I attracted to Mulan, I was attracted to Mulan when they were dressed as a boy as well. As Ping. So I was like, yeah, there is definitely mm. something here. I feel like there's definitely that moment where as you're growing up, you don't really necessarily think about the lo- like the logical end to mm-hmm. the scenario where it's like, ah, oh. and he seems to be into Mulan as a boy. And maybe we should delve into that a little bit. Like, I feel like there's a real moment of like, wait a minute. mm, They laid it out and I'm picking up what they were accidentally, I guess, putting down. Because there's definitely that one particular, well, there's that one moment in I'll Make a Man Out of You where Mulan manages to like slap him, like get a hit on him. And he turns around and he's like, I'm in love. Yeah, (laughs) he's just like, oh no, I'm I'm scared and horny. Um, And I and and there's no there's no heterosexual explanation no. for that whatsoever. Literally, you can't just be like, oh, he must have known. And it's like, no, they like that's literally the point. He didn't know at all. And so yeah, there's definitely some kind of like queer undertone to the entire film because there is just no like straight explanation for Li Shang at all. No, completely. So is that was that a an example like we were saying earlier about the. I want to be this person. I want to make out with these people. I want to like, this is like suggesting something that I could Mm -hmm. like absorb into my own self. Like that feels like it makes sense for me. Like what was that connection to queerness for you? I think Li Shang was definitely one that I related to in a way, not only because I wanted to make out with him, but also the way that he was like questioning his attraction to like Mulan dressed as Ping. I was kind of like, oh, like he's kind of questioning whether he's, and love and I'm like kind of questioning my attraction to men so I was like okay like this is if someone else can like do this I can do that too and I think because I was seeing it through this film I was like okay I'm also attracted to Li Shang and I'm also attracted to Mulan and I'm also attracted to Mulan dressed as Peng so I was like I need to kind of figure kind of what this means for me and how I feel about that I love that. If we think about this movie, if this movie was a movie where they had deliberately wanted to tell like a story of bisexuality mm-hmm. in the way that I think they think of most of this, they don't necessarily, I think Disney doesn't necessarily think of most of their like princess movies as stories of heterosexuality, but that is what they are. Yeah, true. What would you have changed? Like, how Ooh. would you have, how would you have like made that more central? Or do you feel like at this point, it just is like, it's just so in the subtext. Yeah. It- I think at the, at like, as it is, it is pretty much in the subtext because you can't deny the fact that Li Shang was attracted to what he was perceiving at the time as Mulan as a man. And 
like Mulan, slowly grew attracted to Li Shang. But I feel like that it's so ingrained in the film at this point that it's like, there's no denying that that took place. If I were to like change anything and make it like more apparent, I don't know. Maybe like Mulan could go on like a journey of self-discovery like herself. But I think with Li Shang's character, I think it's just hard to like disassociate the bisexuality from it. Mm. I mean, if you think about the song that Mulan sings where she's like, when will my reflection show who I am inside? I'm like, that seems pretty non-binary to me. That seems pretty like, that feels like there's a lot of the associations with the idea of like, hey, when will it show who I am inside? And then I go off to war dressed as a man. But then that like complication of like, what does it even mean to show non-binariness on the outside because it's by definition not yeah definitely. something specific like a specific look by its very definition it just like uh mulan exploring kind of like a different like gendered version of or non-gendered version of herself was definitely very interesting and like the way that she had to kind of become accustomed to like a different scenario and like different roles and different way of life essentially but you could tell that she was a lot happier being where she was, like, despite, like, the war going on and, like, the scariness of that, she was free in a way. Mm, I think that also, like, thinking about it, there was, they, Mulan has these scenes of, like, the ultra feminine and the ultra masculine, like, ideals where she in both of those camps like doesn't fit in. Mm -hmm. Like, doing the matchmaker scene at the beginning and all of these, like, perfect girls who are, like, and her family who are really excited about this tradition, who are like, feel very sort of satisfied mm-hmm. with that whole process, with like that connection to your like mother and your grandmother coming in and helping. And for Mulan, it's like, I oh God, like I don't fit in here. But then similarly, there's all of the scenes within the camp where not just the idea of like being strong and fighting, but like mm-hmm. talking about women in a particular way or yes. wanting a wife. Like there were all of these, these kind of two different extremes that neither of them she really fits into. So I think that's also, the more I think about this movie, the more I'm like, God, this is queer as hell. Like <laughs> yeah. this is just, it's all, like, if you'd have told me, I saw a TikTok the other day that was about a fake documentary that someone had made about oh. how the Goofy movie was actually uh, an attempt to make the blackest like children's cartoon movie that they could because of like all of the references. And it was like, it's hysterical. Cause it's like, you sort of accidentally made this thing that so many people have interpreted as like very clearly a black movie. Yeah. And then it's kind of like almost the same with Mulan. You could have a fake documentary of someone being like, okay, so we got to make the queerest possible like movie where it's like this, this bitch is bisexual. This one's non-binary. They're figuring it all out. They're going for, they're staying for dinner. They're staying forever. And I'm like, yeah, I believe it. It'd be like the office scenario where it's like, oh my God, it's happening. And everyone's just like freaking out and trying to like piece everything <laughs> together. And they're like, we need bisexual Leisha, a non-binary Mulan. Let's go. And everyone's like, let's go, go, go. It's just, it's just true, simply the truth. Oh yeah. Uh, and I think if anyone can't see it, open your eyes, people. Like there is definitely a lot of videos on it, like somewhere that you can, and just rewatch it. Like if you rewatch it with that mindset, I definitely feel like, you'll be able to see it more apparently. You'll be picking up on it in no time. Oh yeah, definitely. So dear listener, Jazza is on a secret campaign, has been on a secret campaign for a while actually, for us to cover queer erotica as a genre on the podcast. Like that is a thing that they really have been pushing 
But, you know, until I finally give in, you should check out our sponsor Dipsy, which is an app with hundreds of stories designed by and for women that are, yes, queer inclusive with lesbian, bi, trans and non-binary short stories in all of the sexy genres that I am told that you non-asexual people are into. Basically, you get immersive soundscapes, talented voice actors and steamy scenarios at your fingertips, no pun intended. There is also new content released each week so you can listen to your favourites again or find something new. There really is something for everyone because they have something for me. Sleep stories, wellness sessions, a nice relaxing nature soundscape. Very much more my speed and I very much enjoyed it as someone who likes to listen to things as she nods off. So give Dipsy a try to see if it's your new go-to place for spicing up your me time, exploring your fantasy to the partner, or getting off to sleep with the comforting sound of a rainy woodland. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash queermovie. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash queermovie. We would also like to thank Squarespace for sponsoring this podcast. Look at us, two sponsors in one podcast going up in the world. If you're looking to build a website for yourself or your business, then Squarespace is an all-in-one place to do just that. You can use it to build a site, set up an online shop or connect with your audience. So we use Squarespace to make the Queer Movie Podcast website, but I also used it to make my own website and I have never been relaxed a day in my life. So I have a ton of projects and social media platforms spread all over the internet that I wanted to include and talk about it like on this page. But Squarespace lets you not only link to your social media, but also connect it so you can display posts from your social profiles on your site. There are, you know, analytics and insights that can help you grow your brand if you need to figure out where are you getting your site visits from or where are the sales coming from or what keywords are being used to find you. They also have really exciting features like a donation function so you can encourage donations on your site for a cause that you care about. I am very much not a techie person, so I found the very easy to use like designing function an absolute lifesaver, including making sure the website doesn't look absolute trash on mobile because turns out sometimes when you build a website on your computer and then you go onto mobile, it's real bad. And this was absolutely not the case with Squarespace. So check out squarespace.com forward slash queer movie for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code queer movie to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And before we dive right into it, I just want to let you know, this Saturday is Small Business Saturday. And since it is Small Business Saturday, we would ask you to maybe consider supporting your friendly local podcast collective that is multitude the amazing collective that we are a part of um it is a small business that helps creators make a living in the modern media landscape which is no mean feat and for five dollars a month you get the weekly friendly debate podcast head heart gut which i have been on and so has jazza multiple times it is so much fun and very unhinged um so perfect for if you are enjoying this uh this podcast that we do you also get access to our pen pal exchange monthly live events with the hosts of the different multitude podcasts and much more your dollar goes further when you support indie creators like multitude uh, us at Queer Movie Podcast, and all the rest of the amazing podcast hosts that make up this brilliant little collective. So whether you spread the word or spread the love with your dollars, shop small and support Multitude this Small Business Saturday. Okay, back to Joel. 
Okay, so Mulan also going in the rainbow tote bag from Tiger. Yes, um, boom. <laughs> How about number three? Okay, this one actually alludes to um, a reference you made earlier with Pirates of the Caribbean. But when I w- first watched like the first season of Heartstopper mm. and we saw Nick kind of watching uh, Elizabeth Swan and Will Turner in Pirates of the Caribbean, it kind of unlocked a memory within me where I was like, oh my God, I was attracted to both Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley whilst they were doing all the Pirates of the Caribbean films. And I didn't realize like that until I watched that first season. And I was like, damn, no wonder I loved seeing them on the screen so much. That's so interesting. I mean, like I, so I fully had a picture of Will Turner and of Legolas actually, the two Orlando films on my my wall. Like even though I am a lesbian and fundamentally didn't actually find either of them attractive i think it was just like the idea of the things you were meant to find attractive at the time and i think mainly it was just like these are cool characters like these are fun cool characters but yeah it was elizabeth's one and like as i've gotten older i think i've like appreciated not just you know elizabeth swan for her incredible good looks but also the fact that in those movies she is like the central character who just doesn't get enough doesn't get enough credit yeah true like the whole like scenario with elizabeth tenner is just like she has literally just been thrust from her world into the pirate world and it's like well you know she kind of grows a lot throughout the Mm. like throughout and it's just like you can't take that away from her like she is a formidable person like a pirate queen she truly is the pirate king yeah i just like i always just think about that scene in the first movie where she's been like no warning ripped from her Mm -hmm. bed like taken hostage got onto this ship and then she takes the pirate medallion yeah and she essentially like hangs it's the scene where she hangs over the side of the ship and she's like essentially playing like a game of bluff with this like terrifying pirate captain on this ship in which she has no power and she bluffs with him where she's like if i'll give you this if you let me go he's like oh i don't even need that like you think that's important to me and she goes as if she's gonna let it drop into the ocean and all the pirates are like no No! and she just smiles like oh i fucking have you like this is and i think that those moments of like courage of like when she goes she like has no weapon but she's like trying to rip a sword off the wall she's like using the bedpan full of coals like she's she has this ingenuity to her like all this stuff and i think that was also something that was really exciting to see rather Mm -hmm. than just being either the like she's so beautiful and sweet and like demure or the like opposite where it's like she's so sassy and she she's like not taking shit from the boys and like all of that kind of stuff yeah and i'm like oh it's like a nice in between that didn't feel like too forced yeah so yeah no but i can absolutely see why both of them were by panic yeah for you like like hearing about what you were saying respectively true (laughs) um like hearing what you're saying about like elizabeth swan it kind of reminds the same of what we were speaking about mulan where it was like there's two like kind of hyper masculine like hyper feminine kind of scenarios and they both just fit somewhere in between which kind of i feel Mm. like fits into like the gender fluidity gender kind of non-binariness of it all like you can fit somewhere on the spectrum or outside of the spectrum if Mm. like you're just feeling like it doesn't fit you and i think they're both examples of like someone finding their way within the spectrum and someone being like okay i'm just gonna go away from Mm. this (laughs) i also really liked like kind of conversely with will turner's character he has these elements of masculinity which are like 
him being a sword fighter mm -hmm. and like being a blacksmith and all this kind of stuff. But he isn't the typical idea of like the hulking muscular blacksmith, yeah. like Witcher style vibes of like Henry Cavill bodybuilder. And he has this real like sense of softness and romance to him he in does. a lot. Like he, I feel like if you were to add up the words that he says, like in this movie, around 30 to 50% of them would just be him going, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Because <laughs> he's constantly like he, I think he like maybe gets to rescue someone once, and then every other time it's her rescuing him or yeah. like going after him or trying to figure stuff out, and he's just there like Elizabeth, and I I appreciate that dynamic. Or he's just like Davy Jones's locker, Davy Jones's locker, <laughs> father, father, <laughs> dad, I will save dad, you. Why are you a starfish? <laughs> no, spoilers for the spoilers oh. for um, Pirates of Caribbean. His father is in fact Patrick I from SpongeBob. I was literally about to make that joke. <laughs> Same, oh God, we're simply on the same wavelength. Honestly. I love that. And I love the fact that there are these moments of queer childhoods or queer growing up where you don't necessarily clock it, what it actually mm -hmm. is. Because you're, I mean, I don't know whether this is kind of how it works for you, but I feel like we're so not shown the mold or the model for like what that kind of would look like for us. Like we're oh, yeah. shown the girls like giddy on their bed, like kicking their heels about a boy ringing them on the phone, like twirling the cord in their fingers or guys like, joking around with each other about a girl like all these kind of scenarios that we see in fiction and when you don't quite fit into that sometimes it is difficult to recognize mm -hmm. like what you are feeling yeah it's kind of alienating in a way because it's just like oh i'm not feeling like this group of people should feel i'm not feeling like how that group of people should feel so where do i fit in like where mm. do i lie on the boundaries and like it is scary sometimes like having to kind of figure that out for yourself but it's also really liberating once you've kind of found that and like figured it out because then you're just like oh i can see where i lie now and like it's okay to be not like other people because I'm myself. And like, once you've like accepted that and like celebrated that, then you'll you feel better about it. For you, like with your, you, you've got within the identity that we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. right? We've got bisexual, we've got non-binary. Yeah. For you, did they come, did that realization come as like a whole package or was it like a, I figured out one thing and then I kind of figured out another or I thought mm -hmm. it was one thing. Like how, how did that work for you? It was definitely like my sexuality first. Like I knew I was like, I slowly realized I was attracted to men. And then I was kind of like doubting my attraction to like women and other genders. And I was just like, I like, am I just gay? And then I kind of realized that like, no, I am like bisexual and I don't need to kind of like force myself into like one particular pocket. I can just be bisexual. And so that was like, when I came out as bisexual, I was like, yay, like, that's me. And then there was just like gender in the back corner being like, you're not done, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and like, there was just like this lingering kind of like feeling of like, people like referring to me as a man. And I was like, oh, I don't really like that word for me. And it, it wasn't until like, I think 2020, 2021, where I was just kind of like, okay, I need to start figuring this out properly because otherwise if people keep referring to me as something that I'm not comfortable with, I'm just gonna be unhappy. And so I think, I don't know what it was specifically, but I think I read a book called All Boys Aren't Blue by George M. Johnson, who's also non-binary. And I think it was reading that and then just like doing like, like watching a lot of like videos about people and their experience that I was like, oh, 
I think I fit into this kind of like mold, like not mold specifically, but like I fit into this kind of like term that, and I feel comfortable with that term. And I think if the mold doesn't fit, make your own mold. So. Mm. I mean, that's really interesting, right? That the things that you were referencing just then are all like real life people's experiences, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it is a book, but it's like that, that book is like kind of a memoir. Yeah. Right, from George. And then like the talking about people's videos. Do you feel like you've ever seen a character or a movie or something which isn't literally someone talking about their own life? Yeah. Or do you think we're not quite there yet with that kind of like representation? I think we're getting there. Like I think in recent years with like specifically like TV shows, we've definitely like increased like the queer experience and like the amount of like glee. Like despite like the writing in some of the seasons, that was explicitly queer. And like there were a lot of queer characters that I like felt like I related to like Santana was probably my favorite character yeah I was just like this is great but I feel like in terms of trying to get like specifically bisexual representation it was always quite tough because there would be a character who was attracted to women and then they'd like start having an attraction towards men and then they'd be like oh are you gay now or like are you just have you like flipped the switch and it's just like no you can like like both Mm -hmm. and more and it was hard to kind of find the like scenarios where like they explicitly referred to themselves as bisexual and in terms of like uh, non-binary representation I I don't think I was like I don't think I've really like watched anything with like an explicitly like non-binary character in until I'm trying to think if there has been because there might be something but I might be forgetting it but there's definitely been like I think we are improving it, especially with like more like gender non-conforming like actors getting into mm. like film and TV now. I think there's definitely going to be a explosion. We're just seeing like the gunpowder being laid. Yeah, there's definitely, I think, a strong contingent of non-binary characters, but they are like aliens or robots or like things that don't have agenda not because they've necessarily decided to be Mm non-binary but just because the nature of their like species or their you know who they are is non-binary so i think it's like trying to trying to get some human some human rep would be fun i think i think like the first human rep i saw of like a non-binary character actually now that i'm thinking about it was stavoni from steven universe who's like a fusion of steven and connie like two best friends later like something more but that was probably like when they fused and like stavoni like they them uh i was like wow like that i love that um, I'm going to tell you a character that you absolutely have just forgotten, which is Jim in Our Flag Meets Oh my Death. gosh, yes, Jim. Oh my God. How could you? I'm a so pirate s- as well. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know we were literally just on pirates. Like, I'm so sorry, Jim. I have failed you. But yeah, Jim as well. Like when they um, were on the show and I was watching it, I was like, oh, Jim. I was like, I root, Chef's kiss. I root for you, Jim. I root for you. And like, yeah, I think especially with like shows like Our Flag Means Death, Heartstopper, Young Royals, although I haven't watched that yet, but everyone's trying to get me to watch it. And I'm like, I will. I definitely think there's more queer media coming. And I definitely think that will translate more into like the film space eventually. Like we are seeing more queer films coming out and it's, it's great because like, although I didn't have this during my childhood, there are children right now who are going to have this during their childhood and it's 
amazing because there's definitely then a sign of progress being made. Mm. So thank you for that little detour into your <laughs> psyche. Um, <laughs> I think that you have you have one more thing that made me non-binary bisexual to yes. to give to us to give to the listeners and yes. to me this one was a film where i was like i haven't really experienced kind of like a lot of the media that i consumed and a lot of the characters that i've mentioned so far were white and so trying mm. to find like a black queer character i was like oh like there there, there isn't like much but then i i think it was when moonlight came out in uh, I think it was like 20, I think I want to say it was like 2016 or 2018 that Moonlight came out. But when that film came out, it was an experience that I don't think is going to be the same when I come to rewatch it. Because I haven't watched it since like the very first time I watched it. But like watching that film was such like a defining experience for me where I was like black, queer media. And I don't know, there was just something about that film that like affected me in such a way that I was just like a lot of my experiences within like queer spaces have often been like very accepting but then also sometimes it's kind of a lack of intersectionality so to see it in Mm. this film was very like affirming to me and I think as well to see it in a film that was so celebrated Mm -hmm. and uh, and like appreciated as well because there's always like when we talk about queer stuff and like more queer movies there's always been this like slightly badly made like budget like indie stuff that you have like a real affection for because it was like all that was available Mm -hmm. especially when I was kind of growing up and you would like go to like Peccadillo Pictures and buy their DVDs that you like couldn't get in mainstream shops or like HMV or whatever and like watch these movies where you're like, this is objectively just bad. And so I think it's like both having that, oh, I'm being seen, but also this element of like, but it's also like a stunning movie. Absolutely like one of the best movies of all time, like truly incredible on like every level. And it's got representation and it's been appreciated and like held up in canon. And it was like had a wide enough release that you could like actually see it and not have to do it like in the shadows in a secret, like literally like pirated version. Like, yeah, exactly. Amazing. I mean, like, so I I have watched that movie a number of times and I I feel like you said you were saying you wouldn't necessarily have the same experience. Um, I I would say fear not. There is not a bad thing about that movie, to be honest. Um, True. You will... <laughs> true (laughs) it is chef's freaking kiss i mean do you feel like you have had to like actively search for that kind of media is that something that is just not necessarily Mm -hmm. as i guess as mainstream or as easy to find as either like white queer media Mm -hmm. or just you know black non-queer media i guess yeah i think initially it was very tough because it was kind of like there wasn't a lot of it and if there was like a black queer character they were always just reduced to like the love interest in a film so it was kind of like oh here we have our white protagonist and then we have the black love interest and it was weird in a way because they were never treated as a main character they were basically treated as like an accessory to the main Mm. character and I was like I... Like, whilst I could enjoy the film, there was just something underlying that I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. But to then kind of view more media with, like, Moonlight and, like, in a way, Thor Ragnarok with a Valkyrie, like, just to see, like, more, like, queer people of colour kind of taking centre stage, taking kind of, like protagonist or like powerful roles within like the stories it very much became easier for me to find this kind of like media and just seeing like 
it spread across like not only film, but like TV and books. It was, it's been amazing to kind of finally get like that representation that I wish I had when I was younger, but now it's kind of like healing that inner child in a way where I can Mm. just consume all the media now. And it's been great. I definitely have a more optimistic outlook when it comes to uh, the future of film and TV now, because like, I don't have to search as thoroughly as I had to do before. Mm. I mean, do you feel like, obviously you, we've, we're kind of talking just because, you know, it's the queer movie podcast about mainly movies and sometimes TV, but do you think that books are further ahead in this regard? Or do you think it's still kind of the same in all of these creative industries? I feel like it's a similar like kind of wave. I think books are slightly ahead, but I think because sometimes books doesn't have as wide a reach as like film and TV does, I feel like the effect books might have on isn't as apparent, but I think there's definitely like a wider space with books in terms of like queerness and because there's like so many different kind of like ways to like get your story out there. I think it definitely helps to like have those books and like a lot of books do get adapted into TV and film. So it's like books sometimes act as a starting point to like find the audiences that would be interested in that kind of like adaptation that then spreads to like a wide audience. I mean, we've seen it with Heartstopper. We've seen it with, I think there was that, there was a new adaptation recently that was on Netflix. I think it was like adapting like Half Bad by Sally Green. Mm-hmm. It's the bastard son and the devil himself. Yes. Didn't necessarily like how that series ended, but there is that example to mm-hmm. have. But yeah, there's definitely like more. And I think books definitely help down the line with like film and TV. What are you looking for next? Like, what is, what are you hoping that like, if I was to, if there was someone who was growing up now Mm -hmm. and, you know, I had them on, (laughs) I had them on the podcast in 10 years, we'll still be old and decrepit, we'll still be going. Um, (laughs) Like, what would you hope that they would be able to say like, oh, when I was like growing up in like 2022, Mm -hmm. this is what I like really felt connected to. Yeah. I, I guess I would hope that there's like more black queer characters and like center stage of like films and TV. And I definitely hope that more of those kinds of books are adapted and like more of those stories are like told. I definitely hope there's more non-binary like characters in like film, in like romance, in like fantasy. I think like the more genres like uh, people are in, I think it would just be amazing because trying to like reduce a certain identity to a certain genre isn't really like as progressive, I think. So I feel like having those characters be who they are, but not make it like the center focus, just a like a casual part of it. Cause I think a lot of people are like, oh, don't shove it in my face, but it's literally just a queer character existing in a world. Mm. And it's just like, is it shoving it in your face though? Or are you just like personally uncomfortable with it? So mm. I think just having like queer characters exist in like every form of media and just someone being like, I did not have to like go far to find like something that represents me. I think that mm. would be my personal kind of like hope. And I guess how do so I guess that idea of someone just being in the media kind of ties into sometimes when that isn't the case like sometimes when someone is calling attention to their identity it's kind of acting as a lesson for the straight and cis people in the audience like by the way this is what non-binary is yeah and I suppose the further we get into representation where it's just 
there's more of it, the less that characters will need to like explain their existence to everyone so that no one's being like, but that they're, they're saying they, them, I'm so confused. Yeah, I definitely think like more exposure, it basically would allow people to not have to be like, oh, here's an introduction to this character and everything you need to know about like their identity. It's just kind of like, okay, they are a bisexual non-binary person. Okay, on with the story. Yeah. And so it's just like, I think, like you said, if there's more, then there becomes less of a need to kind of be a lesson. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've given me four. Any other things that you want to mention? Oh, okay. So you mentioned Legolas earlier with like Orlando mm, Bloom as Legolas. There's a similar pairing, like not pairing, but like a similar dynamic that I kind of had with Legolas and Galadriel because both mm. both of them were also something to me. Like I think it's always like I kind of find one like male character to kind of cling on to and one female character to cling on to per, like fantasy or like mm. kind of explorative film and I'm just like ah you two are like the people that I will cling on to and be attracted to thank you but yeah I think but Lord of the Rings definitely had a lot of hot characters and it did Aragorn opening those oh doors <laughs> oh, incredible mm. so I, th- I definitely feel like Lord of the Rings gave me a lot uh, informed a lot of like my attraction to people, which thank you. I will be immensely thankful. I think as well there was, a, I mean, the fact that that was just a film with just so so many little, so many dudes, yeah, so many white dudes. Um, <laughs> True, but like it truly gave you the run of them. It truly was like, yeah. would you? Here's here's your menu. Would you like rugged Outlander style, like? king in disguise would you like sweet farmer boy who just wants to get back to his lady love rosie mm-hmm. would you like wide-eyed little frodo who's just gonna he's gonna just be brave little boy like would you like the ethereal like elf who just casually walks across the snow while everyone trudges like it really was giving you the full range yeah. of white boy for you to decide True. are you attracted to any of them maybe you should think about that like, at some is, point it was like what is your type figure out by watching lord the rings <laughs> which one of the fellowship is your type <laughs> there's probably a quiz somewhere mm-hmm, truly and then i guess gladriel is just uh, an extremely powerful and beautiful uh, immortal so yeah i mean basically like kind of like barbie's like fantasy cousin in a way (laughs) where she's just like i am beautiful and powerful i can be whatever i want to be and barbie's like yes i am galadriel but in a different way i what a hot take barbie lord of the rings when when is it coming when is it gonna happen would probably i would want to see ken as um ken would probably have to be like frodo or samwise but then if barbie then plays frodo i'm like barbie in a in a different kind of role Mm. yeah i'm like what would barbie is barbie gandalf like where is (laughs) barbie Barbie in this (laughs) this situation incredible and then like that's great because then she can like rise again as like barbie the white and like have a whole new outfit like a white the white christmas dress i think yeah Mm -hmm. oh it's all making it's all coming coming together together. it's like amazon it's like call us you've got the rights to lord of the rings now right like who has the rights call us we've got some lego lord of the rings turns into barbie lord of the rings oh that's very just all the crossovers it just makes sense truly amazing what a journey you have brought us on today joel we've gone all the way from 
like Barbie through to Lord of the Rings, through to Barbie Lord yes. of the Rings. Absolute chef's kiss. I always like with these um, episodes to see the crossover that people have. I think that there's definitely a lot of media that has strong queer energy, not necessarily from the media itself, but just from everyone just yeah. deciding, just claiming it as our own when we didn't have any alternatives. And I imagine that even as we continue to have like actual queer media, we'll still be stealing it from the straights. We'll still be being like, nothing is safe from us. Oh, definitely. We're like, we're claiming this for ourselves, and you can't say anything about it. Sorry. <laughs> Truly. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. Of if um, people wanted to find you, if they've listened to your unhinged rantings about <laughs> these stunning pieces of media, where, where can they find you? Oh, well, if you want to hear more of my unhinged and chaotic thoughts, um, I'm on YouTube at Fictional Fates, Instagram, the same handle, Twitter at Joel Rochester with two R's on the end. And yeah, that's basically everything. Amazing. And I hope all of you who are listening are having a very queer day. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy these episodes, then like I said at the beginning, please consider supporting us on Patreon. As a patron, you can join our queer movie club where we do watch-alongs on our private Discord each month. But that is the bare minimum of things you can get. At other levels, you can also get our movie recommendation list, a monthly newsletter with a curation of all of the gay stuff that we find on the internet. And we would like to, as part of this, thanks once again, Jennifer and Toby for supporting us at the highest tier on Patreon, Rainbow Parent. We are so happy to have your support and we wanted to thank you once again. Make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast so you're notified of our next episode. I've been Rowan Ellis. We are edited by Julia Shafini and are part of the Multitude Collective. Find more of their amazing stuff at multitude.productions. Thank you so much and you will hear from us very soon. Bye.